Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show on 670 Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune, covers the Bears. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving holiday weekend. A little bit awkward for the Bears. They play on Monday night, so they've had a day on, day off. But they have been back at practice, Dan, ready for the Vikings on Monday night. How uh, how do you think they have handled the uh, the off weekend, the, kind of the, the uh, extended break, if you will? And and what, uh, what's what been the biggest thing to come out of Hallis Hall? Yeah, a little bit of an unorth- unorthodox week because they're playing on Monday night during a holiday week. And so uh, on Thursday, on the holiday itself, they were able to just do a, a walkthrough and some meetings and then uh, transition back to their regular program on Friday. Uh, I think early in the week, David, you sensed the sting from that loss in Detroit really lingering. I felt like there was a lot of conversation and, and still some almost scarring that you could feel in the locker room about trying to get past that and um, – you know, move on from a loss that, that left a mark without question, as we assumed it would here on Friday, it felt like there was a little bit more of a, a positive vibe and that that was in the rearview mirror. And now it's about attacking this division game in a way that positions you for success. And so uh, big challenge, you know, big challenge because you're going up against a defense that, that flustered you six weeks ago. Uh, the quarterback's got to be better. The offense has got to be better. And then the defense has to figure out a way in these close games to uh, find their closer, you know, whether it's one player, two players, whatever it may be, you got to find a way to close. A lot of interesting stuff to come out of uh, the interview room at House Hall this week. We'll get to all of it, the highlights, right after we start this with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. So, Dan, uh, Justin Fields uh, was, I thought, pretty 
I think he expansive is probably the best for it seemed like he talked a little bit. He was willing to go into some explanations about some things that happened against the lions. Obviously he's coming off a very good individual game team. Hasn't uh, won and they didn't win that game, a tough loss, but it's, it's interesting to me how he has been pretty good after the defeat, even though everybody, you know, in Chicago was like, Oh boy, the bears are three and eight and they're staring at, you know, another season and what's going to be next for Matt Eberflus. Justin Fields has handled himself like, okay, he, he understands what, how bad things are, but um, not all that negative. Well, we talk about finishing strong in games. I think it also applies to finishing strong in a season. And so I think Justin understands the stakes, both for himself and the team, of, of what's ahead here. Uh, you know, obviously starting with the Lions game and his return and then progressing through these final six games. Uh, the bye week comes right after the Monday night game. So you'll have a chance to reset a little bit there and then try to try to really close in, in, a, in a way that that is strong. And, and look, I think it was kind of universal in this building that, um, there was a lot of energy that Justin's performance against the Lions provided. It was really good in a lot of different ways. And so you're looking to build on that, you know, and all this is about building, about climbing. Uh, the quarterback, I think, senses an opportunity to do just that. I thought it was most interesting to me the way that he talked about the Tyler Scott play, the miss. The yeah. fact that the, you know, I, I don't know if it was technically a drop, if it went down as a drop, but I think it was a play that everyone feels like, Tyler Scott could have made, uh, will make it one day, but it was not because of Justin Fields in the throw that it didn't work. And I thought that when asked about would he go back to him again, his philosophy about going to receivers and expecting them to do their jobs as long as he does his was, I thought, and maybe he's always felt this way, and that's what always made him a good, good quarterback. But in the midst of all the losing and the, the culture that we always talk about and, and losing becomes a habit, it was not a defeatist approach. And I thought it was a pretty mature thing to say, you know what, next time I'm going to go to Tyler Scott. And he tried to prop him up publicly and privately. I imagine he's doing the same thing. That's a sign of a good leader. No, no question about it. And of all the answers that Justin gave to questions on, on Wednesday, I thought that one was the most impressive because it was an acknowledgement that the play didn't hit the way they wanted it to, but it was also handled in a way where Justin not only vocalized support for a young rookie teammate uh, who's obviously trying to pick himself back up, but, but also stress the need for a quarterback to play the play, you know, and, and sometimes you just have to, um, play every play with confidence that the guys you're, you're playing with are going to do what they are supposed to do. And I think that's an, a critical step moving forward. Now, look, like I think Tyler Scott probably factors into that because this is a kid who's very conscientious, comes to work every day, works his tail off and, and builds in that belief from the people around him that he's doing all the right things to position himself for success. And sometimes things happen. No one in this building here has called it a drop. Everybody has said he misjudged it. You know, and so I think there's an important distinction there where I think they're doing that for a reason to to, you know, let the rookie know that, look, like this happens. You're playing receiver for the for the fourth season in your football life and there are going to be bumps in the road. And so just figure out what the learning lesson was from that particular instance, which is running through the ball. And as Tyke Tolbert told us on Friday evening, like Justin throws a really good deep ball. It's very rarely going to be underthrown. So just understand that when you're running your route, run through it. And if it is underthrown, then you adjust to that. But make sure that your 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 default set is full speed, expect the ball to be out in front of you. Before we get to what Luke Getze had to say about that play specifically, I wanted to uh, 
also address the way Justin Fields talked about his 104 yard rushing day and, you know, running versus passing. And I'm sure that came up and just where he is mentally, because Dan, again, from the outside, and I know he spoke right after the game, but just watching the bears and watching Justin Fields, it looked like not only were they putting him in more spots to take advantage of his running ability, but he was, he was more aggressive uh, when they did that. And he seemed like he was more natural. And he looked like a guy who hadn't played in 35 days with the fresh legs. What did he say about whether or not he's feeling enthusiastic about going in that direction? Is that going to be something that he, you know, we can see over the final six games or how did he address that? Well, look like it's a good question because they got him out on the edge a few times in uh, various ways. And Justin acknowledged that that's going to be more difficult against a Vikings team that brings pressure from every direction, you know, and sometimes you may think, okay, we're going to try to go get out on the edge here. Well, they've got, they've got someone waiting there for you via some exotic blitz or some concept that takes things away from you. So it's going to be a totally different puzzle uh, that they, that they're putting together against the Vikings on Monday night. I also think like you think back earlier in the year where they ran a, maybe it was against the chiefs. They ran a bunch of, uh, of read option concepts and the, the defense dictated that you give the ball. Maybe it was in Tampa, Tampa. It was sometime in September. And you were just like, okay, like if the defense is going to give you six yard gives to the running back, take them all day because that's positive momentum moving forward. Well, the lions played it in a different way and gave Justin the ability to get outside with some of those zone read plays at times and, and, and make them pay in that regard. And so that, that that's an interesting juggling act as well, because there are going to be different reads on different plays against different opponents and so um, like the idea that that the, the game plan that was used against the Lions is going to be replicated every game from here on out is misguided. And so the Bears are just going to have to, to, to figure out which direction to take that based on what they're saying. Well, I think also what makes this next challenge interesting is that we just saw what we saw. And I know what you said is valid. And then you've got the Brian Flores factor, because yeah. before Justin Fields went down against the Vikings, they had his number. And he wasn't playing at a high level. And you wonder, okay, is this allowed to talk about that because he got hurt and he left the game prematurely. That's, that's a rule amongst some people. You can't talk about that game. Well, so, but but the thing is, you don't have to talk about it. We saw it, you know, (laughs) Yeah, right. they were getting the most of them. They were either outsmarting Justin Fields or Luke Getze, or maybe both because it wasn't, it wasn't his finest hour. And I looked it up today. He had 40 net passing yards on seven possessions. That's not good. And he wasn't – let's let's just say this. Justin Fields has had a pass rating of, a, of at least 100 in three of his last four games. He wasn't on track to do that in that game before no, the injury. No, he, sir. He, he did not look like somebody who was, well, you know, if he just stayed healthy, he'd been rolling. No, he was not. So I wonder – does Brian Flores say, all right, well, we're going to do the same thing and confuse him again? Or oh, yeah. look at that, well, maybe, but, but, but is that the same approach the Bears? Don't, can't you acknowledge, I mean, the, the approach against the Lions was different than the approach against the Vikings in the way that they utilized Justin Fields. Oh, 100%. No, I'm saying that I, I fully expect Brian Flores to turn it loose again. And, and you're going to be seeing pressures uh, on two out of every three snaps, you know, coming from all different directions, from all different combinations of players. And so um, I think there's a lot of people that expect this to be a uh, another good measuring stick moment because you saw – what happened the first time they played now how do you respond to that how does the coordinator play the chess game in a way that that sets you up for success how do you as a quarterback live through the experience you had six weeks ago and take your 
uh, best foot and move it forward, you know? And so that, that that's going to be really interesting to, to watch it play out on a national stage Monday night again, right? Like there, there's no hiding and this is going to be uh, a game that's illuminated for the world to see. And as you know, uh, really since last March, the Justin Fields conversation has been supercharged locally. It's been supercharged uh, at times nationally. And so I think the whole world is going to be waiting for a Tuesday morning opportunity to weigh in on, on what, what we see on Monday night football. Last thing on this, before we get to maybe some Getsy audio, I wonder if this is related at all or not. Justin Jefferson's status for the game would be considered murky as we sit here and talk today. I don't know if there's going to be much clarity before Monday night. Maybe they like it that way. Uh, I don't think that the criticism he's been exposed to on social media has been fair. And I'm glad that he lashed out on Friday against some of those characterizations. But I wonder this. Does his availability affect how the Vikings will approach their overall game plan with Kevin O'Connell, maybe not offensively, but just the entire, you know, if you have, if you have Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, you're more maybe willing to take some risks that you, you don't ordinarily take because you oh, have no doubt. such a high powered offense. And, and you look at Kevin O'Connell, I mean, somehow, I mean, this guy gets things done. You thought they were going to be hurt without Kirk Cousins, then you lose Jefferson and wow. So, Dan, I wonder, when you look at Jordan Addison, who's dangerous, he's got, what, seven touchdown passes this year? Seven, They're still yeah. a dangerous team, but you had Justin Jefferson. Maybe that that affects how they would play defensively. Maybe it affects how many shots they take offensively. That's a big, obviously, it goes without saying, get the best receiver in the league, but how does Justin Jefferson's status affect the, the mindset? No, I mean, it impacts everything because he's one of the best players in all of football, and, and you have to be conscious of him on every snap, which then in turn opens things up for a Jordan Addison, for a TJ Hawkinson for a KJ Osborne. And, and, and now you've got a, a quarterback in Josh Dobbs, who's uh, going to be playing his fourth game with the Vikings and, and, and making his third start. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of time on task with Jefferson, but how much time on task do you need to, to let that guy go make plays? I don't expect Jefferson to play as we record this podcast on, on Friday evening. Uh, it just feels like it's trending in a direction where he's going to take a little bit more time. The Vikings headed into their bye week after this. And then you have an opportunity beyond that to, to kind of, to, to finish the season in that capacity uh, look like these are business decisions that guys are making in addition to, to trying to um, you know propel their team in the direction it needs to go and it just has felt for the last couple of weeks like Jefferson wants to make darn certain that he's ready to go before he pushes himself and and, and suffers a, a potential setback I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anything else about Fields at the podium that you think we overlooked? No, not from the podium. And we can get into some more conversation about the offense and Justin uh, through the, the words of Luke Getze, because I thought uh, there was some really good stuff on, on Friday from, from the offensive coordinator. Let's start with Luke Getze talking about the play that everyone's talking about, the miss to Tyler Scott, and whether or not that was the right decision by Justin Fields, because there's been a lot of conversation in Chicago about taking the shorter route uh, the shorter completion and going to your best player dj moore who appeared to be open this is what luke getsy had to say about that balance i mean yeah i think that's all part of uh, your growth and when you're going through those types of situations you you always want to factor in who people are that's that's a that's always matchups are always kind of the starting point of our week you know when you're putting your plan together um but the cool part about it was just the way that he processed it the way he communicated it, the way that he talked about why he did what he did and what he saw like that's all real growth and stuff like that and then he, and he made a good throw you know his feet need to be cleaned up a little bit on that one you know in that moment it kind of felt uh, I think it was the left side that he kind of had to like take a little extra hitch but at the same time he was seeing everything clearly it made a good throw too you know and Tyler will make that the next time we give him that opportunity hmm I think the seeing it clearly part is significant, you know, because we've talked for months and probably years now about Justin not only seeing it clearly but processing it fast enough to to react properly and so um the opportunity there to, to diagnose what you're seeing from an opposing defense, to understand what your kind of pecking order is when you get coverage A, B, or C, he gives a, his receiver a chance to make a play, and, and he cuts one loose, and, and the Bears don't call that play unless they trust both Justin and Tyler Scott to execute their part of things if, if that's how it materializes. Now, you bring up the point that um, you know DJ is coming – underneath there and there's an opportunity to hit your go-to guy in a game's critical moments even if it's not perfectly you know uh, unfolding the way the way you hope um so there is like a a multiple choice answer here to this problem and and it is hard to to get a feel you know and neither decision is is wrong neither decision is right necessarily it's just kind of like what do you what do you as a quarterback feel and and let it go um i do think that you heard a lot of things whether it's related to that play or some of the things that justin uh did as a runner on Sunday in regards to understanding matchups, you know, and understanding where your offense's specific strengths are and trying to utilize those, even if the rules don't necessarily tell you that that's what you should do. I like that he referenced his ability to throw the deep ball and the fact that he's always been good at that going back to high school because it implies that he still will have confidence in that. And that's not part of his game where he doubts now. And I think he's right. Coming into the NFL, that was one of his strengths. He certainly put the ball where it belonged. And even though there hasn't been the consistency with his throwing or his accuracy that we'll, you know, hope to see over the final six games, that's something that I think 
uh, it sounded like his confidence remains intact. So that was a good explanation from the offensive coordinator, and and you like what you had to hear from that. Yeah. So a couple more things for, from Luke, and, and one of them for for a package I do at Chicago Tribune, which won't be running until game day. The storylines package that I do weekly. Um, I asked Luke to to kind of detail his three favorite plays from Justin in. Uh, Sunday's game in Detroit. And I thought it was notable that obviously the touchdown pass to DJ Moore is the obvious choice for everyone, but there were two other pass plays. Uh, one, his first completion of the game to DJ Moore on a, on a extended play out to the left where he's got to climb the pocket, then get outside of it after recognizing pressure and then make a, a an off platform throw with his body and arm angle off tilted to the left to hit DJ Moore. And then another one in the third quarter where he extends a play and hits DJ Moore. And I think there's been this emphasis that the coaching staff has had that Justin has had that we, have driven home on this podcast about his need to become more productive as an on the move thrower. And there were examples in that game in Detroit where he did that. And so to hear those sort of positively reinforced inside the building for the way that they teach a young quarterback, how to be a threat to a defense in both manners, I think is significant. And I think it's something that is going to go a long way toward uh, propelling more of Justin Fields' growth down the stretch of the season. I also liked what Luke Getze had to say about the read option on the yeah. second down that preceded the decision to throw to Tyler Scott, even though I thought it was one of those plays that I said earlier this week and have repeated a, a couple times that in one of those cases, when you need Justin Fields, you want the ball in the hands of your best player. Don't give him the option to hand off. But he did address the read option play that came on second down with Khalil Herbert getting the ball after Justin Fields made the read, this is what Getty sounded like. That's not an exact science. Anytime, and you know, I think in the, my my past and my history of doing this thing in this level and the college level, like it, you don't, there's no exact science to exactly how you tell that quarterback to make the decision. I think there's plenty of times throughout that game that you would say that that the, if you were coaching it, you would say, "Why did you keep that?" But you know, sometimes it is who's that person and who are you uh and you have to feel what you feel right and and i think you know from from justin's standpoint he made the right decision uh we got to execute the rest of the play a lot better next time and uh and we will does justin have different rules than other quarterbacks on those just because how special he is with his legs I wouldn't say it, I wouldn't say like different rules in the sense of like you get to do kind of whatever you want. I think every person has to have a set of standards for what allows them to make that decision to go or not go. So I think that that's nothing different that if if I was throwing a 20 yard in versus Brett Favre throwing a 20 yard in, right? He's going to have a, a little bit less window he can fit in between between like but that besides that. And so like I think that's kind of goes into the same kind of thought process like who am I? Who is that person? What's their body language? Like all that stuff goes into it when you're making those decisions in that split second. I'll say this for Luke Getze. You may not, may not always agree with him. And, and certainly you have the offense according to the Bears. You're, that's going to come with the territory. He does explain his decisions thoughtfully once he's had three and a half days to, to consider what he's going to say. Oh, a little uh, tech on at the end. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, I mean maybe, maybe that's a little bit of a disclaimer. That's probably an unnecessary uh, jab. But, but look, I, I, I think he would explain it clearly, even if it was Sunday night, you know, when you're going through those things. And that, that's one of the things I've appreciated because it's helped me learn the game uh, and learn the bears through, through the lens of the people that are, that are operating it. And so that, that, that probably factors into some of the things that I say here on this podcast and, and mold it in. But in this specific topic, I think there, there's a notable concept here of trying to blend 
kind of the 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 rules of what you're what you're looking for in a play with your special gifts as a player, you know, and, and when you can kind of use your special gifts to to put some art, artistry on a play, you know, the the give to Herbert, which is what the, precipitated that that question. I said on Sunday evening that I thought it was the right read and the wrong decision, you know, because at that point of the game with how Justin had run against the lions, I think the read may tell you one thing, but your gut should be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go win the game. You know, like I'm, I'm the best player in our offense and we've got a running back who's had a, a rough day. And, and Derek Barnes, this linebacker out here who's playing the play perfectly to take me away. Isn't as good as me. You know, and so it, it's like, you know, Kobe going one on one at the end of a game. You know, it may not be the, the best basketball play, but it's Kobe going one on one at the end. So so right. like figure it out and and go that route. And so, look, I, I think a lot of that read option game on Sunday, um, there were there were moments where, where it could go either way. And so a quarterback's got to feel that out. And as you get more experience, you're going to you're going to have a better feel for that. But I, I thought those were some uh, notable words from the coordinator to, to give people an understanding of what was called, what was executed and, and kind of how he did it. And, and look, he stood by Justin's decision the way Justin stood by his decision. Speaking of coaches providing some clarity, I thought it was interesting that John Hope, the secondary coach, a uh, veteran guy, a friend of the program, uh, obviously explained what happened on the 32-yard 32-yard touchdown pass to Jameson Williams. <laughs> and it was a group effort. As, it, as I said, on the, it takes a village to blow a touchdown. And I think it starts with Kyler Gordon, then extends to Jalen Johnson, and Eddie Jackson was involved at the end. Yeah, so after 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 you, me, and Studs stumbled through the explanation of that entire play in live uh, action on our last podcast, I felt obligated to give uh, to give John Hoke the microphone and let him kind of talk our audience through exactly what happened on that play. And so he, here's what uh, the defensive backs coach had to say. Well, I think everybody's got to be just a little bit more aware, a little bit more on the same page, you know, with what part of the field they need to be handling. You know, uh, we had uh, I know Kyler was there and uh, Jalen was there and Eddie was there. Everybody I just needs to keep pushing up a little bit higher as much. It, it's, you know, it's never one guy. Uh, so all three of them have to just have awareness and, and just keep climbing for depth on that one. And, and just kind of keep, let the flat be the flat. And Yeah. And go tackle that. Yep. Keep making them burn clock, tackle him in bounds and let's, let's go to the next play. So that, that, that's got to speak to your uh, defensive back sensibility there, right, David? Yeah, we just call it cash and credit. I mean, you'd be able to you figure it out, and and you, uh, you you definitely have to keep everything in front of you, and you're not going to get hurt that way. You're certainly not going to lose a ball game and get beat for a touchdown. And, and two coverage and, and zone coverage like that, everything's on a string. So it starts with the guy in the nickel. And, yeah, it, John Hope explained it very well. And, and I don't think he let anybody off the hook. I mean, that's just no. coach being accountable based on the coaching points and the teaching points of that defense. And he was very honest and direct about it. And you also talked to him about Jalen Johnson missing the pick six, or he was asked about that. Is that Not just uh, the pick six, but the other one, the, the wayward one that, that golf threw in the fourth quarter where Jalen looked like he had another opportunity for uh, what would have been a, a wind ceiling takeaway most likely and, and couldn't quite uh, get there. I talked to Jalen about that play after talking to John Hoke, and he said he just felt like he was – was trying so hard to get himself under the football with the way it was thrown that he kind of lost the tracking element of the play. Well, here was uh, here was the back and forth with John Hoke about about that sequence. So it had good rush, right? Ball came out, kind of a bad ball, and he stuck his foot in the ground and couldn't get an extra step in there just to get just a little bit closer to it so he could catch it cleaner. You know, as most as the way it you know played out to me. 
given where he's at, is that a play that, that he needs to make, just understanding where he wants to go and, and, and what you guys need him to be? Absolutely. And he knows that. No, nobody's beating themselves up more than he is right now. And, and, and I do feel for, for him because uh, – He's working at it. I mean, after practice, he's the quarterbacks are throwing to him. He, he, in pregame, I throw to him. Uh, I mean, he's working extra on. You know, he knows that's something that he's got to continue to to grow as a player, and he's working at it, and he works at it every day. But you know, at the end of the day, you got to make those plays in those moments, and he knows that. He's well aware. At the end of the day, you got to make those plays and those moments. That's that's the that's the the punctuation on all of it, right? That's the Deron Bland lesson. Oh my gosh, the Cowboys cornerback! Every Bears fan had to be watching that on Thanksgiving, saying, thinking, five pick sixes, David. Five so pick sixes. I talked to Jalen Johnson about just that today. He trains with Deron Bland in Fresno in the offseason, so they know each other very well, and so he understands kind of the opportunities that that Deron Bland has capitalized on. Eddie Jackson also uh, talked about that because not that long ago, five years ago, Eddie Jackson was the guy who was lighting up TV screens with touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And it's been a long time since he's been in that groove. Right. And so, um, it, you know, Jackson he's a guy, was in a pretty good groove. I don't think he was in a five pick six kind of groove. How many he, touchdowns he, did he score in, in 2018? There were, I, mean, I, mean, did, I need to do a quick check here. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, he had, he, the had the one, he had the one against the Vikings in prime time. He had the one against the uh, lions on Thanksgiving. There were, there was, there was at least, three maybe four touchdowns that season from eddie jackson okay. all right um and and, and, and yeah it was there for him and so he know he knows what it is and those guys those guys in the defensive backfield have great appreciation for for this dude coming in for trayvon diggs and obviously putting himself uh in position to one day earn a lot of money if, if he can keep this production up six games left he's going to get votes for defensive player of the year if this well, eddie gave him an endorsement for that today saying he, he should be in the conversation if not the front runner and studs gives no. us the the the, the uh, actual three touchdowns in 2018 and so i named them all for you <laughs> you did i mean we remember them well <laughs> that, was, that was a long time ago okay so let's get into everything you have compiled and dis- distributed in your numbers game this week on chicagotribune.com Numbers game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get to the that was, that's good. We'll get to the predictions in a second. Dan, uh, I on ChicagoTribune.com, you've got 12 numbers that tell a story this week. They're good ones again. Where do you want to start? What are the highlights? Yeah, I'm going to start with seven, and that's the number of career games where Justin Fields has had a passer rating above 100. You mentioned earlier in this episode that three of those have come in his last four starts, which is obviously a trend in the right direction uh, for how, how Justin's seeing the field and, and working the, uh, the, the passing game right now. Uh, over the last four starts, he's thrown for 844 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 116.5 rating. So that's obviously an encouraging note uh, as it relates to the quarterback trying to string together a strong finish that's a good one what else all right second number is 104.5 that's the average receiving yards per game in the six contests that fields has started and finished for dj moore who's wow. coming, coming off a seven catch 96 yard one touchdown performance last week against the lions uh he only had one catch for seven yards in the seven possessions that fields was on the field against the vikings six weeks ago so those two numbers are at odds with each other a, a 104.5 yards per game average in six full games and only seven yards in the in the abbreviated game that justin fields played so let's see what happens on monday night 
So do you think it's DJ Moore is that chemistry? Is it anything more than that? It's an easy thing to cite, but are they just more likely to take a shot down the field with Justin Fields than when, than when he was with you know Tyson Bajan in the four games? I mean, that that's a pretty stark contrast in his production. Well, look, and, and you just, I mean, yeah, chemistry is a big part of this, but those are the two best players on your offense. And so uh, you're trying every single week to get those guys going. And, and we already talked about the touchdown pass to DJ in Detroit, the off script plays that Justin made to him in Detroit. So th- th- there's, there's something here and there's something here that, that is obvious and something that you got to tap into every week. And again, now you got to do it uh, against an opponent that took you away the last time. And so let's see how they respond. Any good Josh Dobbs numbers? I did have a good Josh Dobbs. No, that I, guy. I, it looked like the best one, David, it most likely is the, the number of teams he's been on yeah. here in the, the calendar year. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, seven teams in his career. And in this calendar year, he's, he's been on four. Uh, started, finished last season with the Titans, signed with the Cleveland Browns in March, traded to the Arizona Cardinals in August, and then dealt again to the Vikings last month. So this is a guy who's, who's been around the block and obviously has impressed a lot of people with how quickly he has had success with the Vikings when thrown into uh, early and emergency action and, and, and able to, to propel them to a couple wins. I'm looking at your numbers package now, and I don't mean to pick one that you might be pointing out, but at 43.2%, the Bears' third down conversion rate, that surprises the heck out of me. In a good way, or you thought it was higher? They're 10th in the NFL. Yeah, right. That, that's, that, that's surprising to me. I tried to speak to you the other day, and the numbers have changed a little bit since our last podcast, but that ranks them 10th in the NFL, and they're also uh, fourth in rushing offense and and fifth in red zone efficiency, which now makes them one of four teams to rank in the top 10 across all three categories. Uh, It had been just the Ravens, the 49ers, and the Bears, while the Eagles have joined that mix after Monday night. That's pretty good company to be in. And that, 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 that goes to some of the supporting evidence I had in the Luke Getzey is not your boogeyman conversation that we had uh, on Monday. And so that's a, that's a notable number. We'll revisit that. I got one more, I got one more for you. Cause I think this one's important. You mentioned it earlier. It's 15 and six and it's the Vikings record under Kevin O'Connell in one score games. They were an absolutely unfathomable 11 and zero on the way to the NFC North title last year, started this year a little bit rough, but have gotten back to five and five in one score core games this season you contrast that with the bears two and 11 record under matt eberflus and you go whoa if this game is close on monday night i know which direction that the uh those numbers would point you in and i think that people do want to check out your numbers package because you find a way again to include cairo santos in (laughs) five made field goals of at least 50 yards this season by santos including last week's 53 yarder at ford field he's perfect this season on kicks from 50 yards or longer i'm surprised that wasn't in the headline but you did find a way to get cairo involved good for cairo good for cairo (laughs) all right let's bring in studs and we'll make our predictions for monday night football in minnesota in the stadium that have not been to SoFi, but is the nicest football stadium I've ever visited. Studs, let's start with you. All right, so I do a little bit of thinking about this one. I am uh, going to go with the Bears this week, and I think I, I'm this. This pick is is a lot to do with the fact that I don't think Justin Jefferson is going to play, and I think that the Josh Jobs thing is kind of on a downhill trend now. You watch him play over the last couple of weeks; he's not playing nearly as well so i expect the bears defense to have another good day 
I think that Justin Fields is going to do better against this Vikings defense the second time around. At least I'm hoping he does. It, it can't get much worse than he did the last the, you guys were talking about earlier. He, it was it was an awful half of football for him and the entire offense. So I'm going to go. Uh, let's go Bears. Bears 24, Vikings 19. All right. Interesting. I have the same total and a different result. I have the Vikings 23 and the Bears 20. And look, like I have been searching for reasons to pick the Bears in this game, and there are they're, they're there. And I think Studs is right that I think that the Josh Dobbs experiment can uh, backfire pretty quickly if they're not careful and the Bears have a chance to, to put some heat on them. I think that the Bears are, are positioned to put their best foot forward like they did against Detroit for 55 minutes. But then I get back to that number that I just gave you. And in a close game, I just feel like the Vikings have more of a track record of finishing off a close game. Rich Campbell used to always talk about the regret factor with picks. If the game went the other way than your prediction would the next day, you'd be kicking yourself for going, well, yeah, obviously. And so that's where I, I, I go with the Vikings because <laughs> you just, you just see a, a game in which it's close, it's close, it's close. And in the end, the team that has consistently won close games beats the team that has consistently lost close games. That's fair enough. I mean, I'm watching Thanksgiving day, like everybody else in America and the, the Packers and the lions and the lions are in a similar situation against the Packers. And they were unable to do what they did to the Bears and come back and beat them in the final moments. There are a lot of reasons for that, but the fact is the Bears oh, being the, the opponent. The Packers stayed aggressive. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> the Bears being the opponent was probably the biggest one. And, and I, I have a hard time just seeing this team doing what it needs to do on the road in an environment. They, they haven't won the benefit of the doubt. They find ways to right. lose games. So it's just too hard. And this, and this Vikings defense, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. But- yeah, the defense is going to be problems. So I think 26 to 19 is what I have for Vikings over the Bears. 26 to 19. So we got studs picking the Bears, and Dan and I going the Vikings, and we'll see how we do next week. Hey, everybody, I'm Mark Shanowski, along with one of the NBA's most popular analysts, Stacey King. We're inviting you to join us on the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. So join us every week here in the Hot Sauce studios where we'll be talking about basketball, football, MMA, entertainment, and unique viewpoints from a group of sports experts having a few brews. That's right. Listen up on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's close things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Dan, Jordan Anderson's a problem. I mentioned the seven touchdown passes. If Justin Jefferson doesn't play, obviously he'll continue to be uh, the focal point of the Vikings' pass offense. If Justin Jefferson does play, I think he's still a problem. How surprised are you the fact that he's made this big of an impact as a rookie? Look, crafty receiver, you know, and that was the word Jalen Johnson used today to describe him. And and, and he benefited early in the year from Justin Jefferson's presence. He was kind of slotting into that Adam Thielen role where you get coverages rolled toward 18 and you've got a chance now to make plays. And he made plays consistently. And then Jefferson left the lineup and and, and Edison has still been able to produce. So this is a a guy who who had a lot of um, promise coming out of Southern Cal last year 
the draft and has realized it very quickly. Uh, and that's another tribute to, to Kevin O'Connell and the way they found a way to get him unlocked uh, and, and to, to allow him to, to climb that developmental staircase. The Bears should be so lucky at some point to have a, a playmaker, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, get going that quickly that early as a rookie. The last time they played the Vikings at Soldier Field, it surprised me that Kyrus Tonga was in the middle of that <laughs> defensive line for the Vikings. Is he still uh, contributing in a way? And does that surprise you? Because he's a Bears draft pick. Now he's apparently found a, a home or resurfaced in the in the same division. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he was there last year as well. And uh, I don't know if surprise is the word. He's a decent player and had some moments with the Bears and then just became a victim of uh, some changes here. And, and, and so that is what it is. But uh, yeah, we, we'll see Kyrus a little bit on Monday night. So we talk a lot about the outside noise and there's a lot of it in Chicago this week. Albert Breer said that he wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Warren gets more involved in football uh, decisions. And he wouldn't be surprised if that means the general manager, and head coach are both out uh, rather than just the head coach. Peter King didn't exactly sound like uh, Matt Eberflus uh, should lose uh, his contact information for a realtor that helped him maybe buy the house in Lake Forest or Lake Bluff. It sounds like there's a lot of things building, you know, and then you add that to the speculation from Jay Glazer on Fox on Thanksgiving Day that Jim Harbaugh, if he comes to the NFL and makes himself available to NFL general managers and, and, and owners, they're not going to care what happened at Michigan with this cheating scandal or whatever. A lot of noise, Dan. Just wondered what stood out to you. Well, I got knots in my stomach as you were describing all that because the, the noise cycle of late December, early to late January in the NFL is hard to deal with at times because it's a lot of rumor, speculation, informed guesses, and you've got to sort one from the other from the other, and it's not always easy to do. I would say a couple things from my front. I'm sitting inside this building right now, and if those who are watching us on the YouTube channel can see I'm the last person here in the media room on Black Friday, so I'm giving myself a pat on the back for uh, being the lone survivor here late on Black Friday, but I would say this that I would be a little bit surprised if Ryan Poles was shown the door for a couple of reasons, because I know that um, Kevin Warren has great uh, admiration for the way Ryan goes about his business, for the way he's trying to put together this team. And I also feel like a general manager is usually owed, barring a, an absolute disaster, the opportunity to pick a quarterback, you know, and sometimes you pick a quarterback and it's the one that's already here, which Phil Emery did when he signed Jay Cutler to the long-term extension, right? That was, that was your chance, right? To, to put, to put your signature uh, on that position, which is the most important position in the sport. And so I think it's almost owed to a general manager to have the opportunity to one, pick a quarterback and number two, to see it through with a couple of draft classes, because this league is all about drafting and developing. And if you're not given the opportunity to do that with your draft class, well, then it's just there. So that, that'll be interesting to, to see it play out. Um, again, we got a lot of football left. You know, we got we got six games and seven weeks left. A lot can change. You've been around long enough to know that stories can go in a lot of different directions with the time that's, that's left. And so, uh, yeah, noise is noise for right now. And, and we're going to have to continue to work through it. And we appreciate you joining us on this sort of unorthodox week of preparation, certainly in podcasting, and uh, and listening to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page and download, listen, and subscribe. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. And we'll be back next week when the Bears and the Vikings, whatever happens in Minnesota, it will be worth your time on Monday Night Football. And we'll be here for every step of the way. Six weeks left, six games left, and a lot to go after that. So thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast.
Yeah, one last thing to check out in the storylines package on Monday morning. I had a chance to visit with Tevin Jenkins for a little while earlier this week and and knocked on wood in his locker stall multiple times talking about his durability. Uh, he's been able to play, uh, started seven consecutive games for the first time in his NFL career, played 100% of the snaps in the last six of them. He's very proud of the way he's playing, not only staying on the field, but playing well. And if you go back and watch the touchdown pass that Justin Fields threw to DJ Moore, a really alert athletic play that Tevin Jenkins made to help Larry Borum out and a diving block to steer Julian Aquara through the top of the pocket and get him away from Justin Fields. Uh, Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, called that a tremendous football play and said there's more of those every week showing up on Tevin's film. So that's a, a, another guy that could be important in this team's game. And, and that was at, on the left side, you know, after yeah. wor- all the worrying conversation about, well, how's he going to be? That was on the left side making that kind of athletic play. If he stays on the field, he's going to be a factor for years to come. The Bears, you're right. That might be something to keep an eye on long-term because of the, the contract realities he'll face at the end of the season. I've been as hard as, uh, on Tevin as anyone and, and even voted him at the start of the year, the, the predicted him to be the most disappointing player on the roster because he was starting the year on IR. So it was nice to visit with him and, and see kind of, again, knocking on wood that, that he, he is climbing that staircase and answering the biggest knock on him, which is that durability. Good stuff. Look for that in Monday's ChicagoTribune.com or Sunday's ChicagoTribune.com or heck, go out and buy... Uh, <laughs> The hard copy. That would be great to see. Remember those? They deliver those in some driveway still around the Chicagoland area. The Chicago Tribune on your Sunday edition. It's worth your time and your money. Yes, uh, it should be a, a good trip up to Minneapolis as well. Another primetime game. Hopefully our last one of the year. I don't know if anything's going to get changed with that Browns game in mid-December, but this could be our last late night Bears game. Francisinski and Dan Weeder. I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Talk great to you talk. next time. See you out there.